Hello everyone, I'm Tony Damien. And I'm Andrew Rich and welcome to the latest episode of Himalayan Bites. Tony, who do we have with us today? Well, Andrew, we did promise the viewers a special episode with a special guest and we certainly delivered on that front. We're here today with Georgina Lynch, very experienced non-executive director, fresh from her starring role in the 2023 M&A conference. Welcome, Georgina. Thank you, Tony. We're here today to talk about uh, the director's role in takeovers. And we, we often talk about how directors approach takeovers, how do they go about discharging their duties, all those obligations. So first question, Georgina, from me is, we do talk about shareholders and their role. Is it just the shareholders that directors are thinking about during a takeover approach? Is it broader than that? How do you go about it? Well, it's certainly not just the shareholders you're thinking about, but obviously as a director you are there to represent shareholders. So they're first and foremost in your mind. And inevitably you're thinking about a whole range of different factors that depends on um, the environment that you're operating in. There are other stakeholders that are impacted by um, corporate activity in MA, and you can't not turn your mind to those other stakeholders. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, as a director, you have to weigh up what is in the best interest of the shareholders. And in some cases, that's going to mean that some stakeholder groups are not going to be happy with the outcome. Um, but you have to put the interest of your shareholders first. And I think that's that's what happens in MA. And and one of the tricky things I think is then when you narrow in on shareholders, you've got some shareholders who might be ARB funds with a very short-term horizon. You've got long-term shareholders who might have backed a company throughout the, the years. How do you then weigh up the different uh, the different needs, the different desires of those shareholders? Oh, there's no doubt that no, no two shareholders are the same. And it doesn't matter how big or small their holding is. Every shareholder thinks that their, their holding is significant to them. Um, and you have some shareholders who might be small retail shareholders, but they have been a very loyal investor in that stock for you know 20 plus years. And so their concerns um, are as valid as the art player who's bought a 10% stake and has been sitting there waiting for a bit of activity. And I think that, that the important thing is, is, is engagement. You need to understand those shareholder groups and what's motivating their different interests. And engagement can come in different shapes and sizes. Engagement can be direct engagement, and I think that there's a lot more of that happening now than, than perhaps was happening sort of 10 or 15 years ago. And or engagement can also come in the form of a really clear communication, perhaps in your target statement. So how do you think about reaching out to actually, for those retail investors who are saying, why are they doing this? You know, I've been a loyal holder of this stock. What on earth is that board doing? Um, sometimes the target statement is an opportunity for you to explain more in a more fulsome way your thinking. And, um, yeah, I think engagement is the key with, with, with shareholders. Georgina, you touched on the target statement. The key thing in any target statement is what you're going to recommend. Mm-hmm. So when you've had that approach and you sit down around the board table, how do you start thinking about value and whether the offer that's in front of you represents a, a price that you're prepared to recommend? Well, I think it's I think part of your responsibility as a director of any entity is to have a really good understanding of what the fundamental value of the business is all the time. You really should have a feel for what that fundamental value is. 
And then when, a, when an offer comes in, I think it's really important to then really stress test the assumptions around that because there are realistic assumptions, there are conservative assumptions, there's a whole range of different assumptions. And I, I always think it's good discipline to do that assumption um, testing exercise um, separate from the independent valuation exercise. So you're actually sitting with management and you're really getting a feel for what those assumptions are and what the range of possibilities are for the business. And then once you've got all of that really good data, then you can assess and test the robustness of an offer. Because an offer might look like it's okay from a dollar value, but you know the conditionality is makes it ridiculous. Or you might sort of start to sort of look under the hood and realize that there is a real this is a really capital constrained business. So their offer, um, how, how they're actually going to pay for this thing and what they're actually saying they're going to pay are two different things. And that's why I, I don't think that it's, it's it's right to say that every approach should be disclosed because I think sometimes, I mean, you get lots of different sorts of approaches and if you disclosed everything that came into your board, um, you would be just disrupting your business and actually destroying shareholder value. You could lose key management. It, it's disruptive. It's time-consuming and it's disruptive. So in order, if you're going to engage, you really have to have a very clear understanding of how robust that offer is. So that's that's what boards are thinking about at that point, I think. Yeah, very, very interesting insights. Um, you've touched on conditionality. Uh, you've touched on funding. Um, does the identity of the bidder come into the equation as well? Sure. I mean, it does for different reasons. Sometimes it's because they have a track record in terms of you know, certainty of execution or not. Um, or sometimes they have a track record for early engagement and um, not completing but just really starting something so someone else comes in over the top. There's a whole range of different dynamics that play out. So I think the identity is important but not not because you're, you've formed a view that you're not going to deal with a particular group. Um, you just It just forms part of your analysis of what are the key characteristics that make this offer palatable or not. Um, and I think you have to be pretty... Um, I don't think it can be too prescriptive about who you will or won't engage with um, until you understand what the robustness of that offer actually is. Perhaps the final valuable insight for the viewers out there who are lawyers or bankers or other advisors. Uh, Georgina, top tip for a deal advisor, what is your, your best recommendation you can give to the viewers? My best recommendation is to have a relationship with your clients actually have a relationship which is based on trust. If you've actually, if I know it's inevitable that um, lots of bankers are going to make an inbound call on the day something is leaked to the paper, but the reality is at that point it is too late um, most of the time because, you know, a good organisation and a good board and a good management team has already formed relationships with their advisors that are based on trust. And you need that before you can navigate. It's 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 difficult, and you need to have good people around you who you can trust through that process. And I think if I was a young advisor, a fairly young banker, I would be I would be working on really understanding the business, so my contribution was was valuable, and really being a person that they knew that they could interact with, and it was someone that they could trust. I think that's the key. I hope everyone out there was taking notes. So, Tony, what do we have to look forward to in our next episode? Well, I don't want to talk it up too much, Andrew, but if there was 
an episode not to miss apart from this one. <laughs> it could be next week. All I'm going to say is we're going global and it is very, very special. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today, particularly to Georgina. We do look forward to you joining us for that next episode that Tony just mentioned.